<sighs> Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Serenity Goroko, your host, and today, coming from California, we have Monica Ballard joining us. Monica Ballard is a holistic relationship and intimacy coach. She specializes in helping successful, ambitious women to heal past trauma and wounds that are holding them back from experiencing the connected relationship and intimacy they desire now, even after therapy, so that they can create the safe, committed, loving partnerships they want with a current partner or a new aligned partner have the most mind-blowing, life-changing sex of their lives and feel beautiful and free in their own skin. Mm. To connect with Monica, you can do so on Facebook, monica.ballard.73, by, by email, monica at monicaballard.com. And if you go on this short link, bit.ly, you know, bit.ly, forward slash sensual rebirth it's absolutely delicious i can tell you that monica hello thank, thank you. you so much thank you thank you i'm so happy to be here with you so am i so am i monica my mm. first question for you on real talk real women breaking the silence around abuse we dare to say the things that are usually kept quiet mm. we dare to share what did hurt mm -hmm. and that we were hiding mm -hmm. what kind of abuse did you overcome in your life mm. well i grew up in a home where there was um I'm the oldest of three kids, and there was a lot of addiction in my home. My mom had, um, I would say, my mom suffered from abuse in her own life. And so she, sometimes when that happens, you can accidentally pass that on to your children. You don't do a good job of maybe protecting your children. Um, and so my mom was addicted to opiates and there was a, a tremendous amount of um, neglect and emotional abuse in our home. And I didn't really, I knew that was a problem, but I didn't really register fully as a child how that was impacting me and how that was gonna impact me in terms of the relationships that I would go on to have in my adult life. So I did move out when I was just 18 years old to get out of my mother's home. And my father was very angry and, and he was very emotionally abusive. He was a yeller and a screamer and, and an intimidator. And he did not um, hit us, which is actually like amazing. Uh, but there was still a lot of fear and, and terror, you know, we would always hide from him when he came home. Um, and it, it was just, it was not a fun way to grow up, like feeling unsafe in the world. And so I ended up getting married um, really young. I got married at 19 uh, to the first boy I ever kissed. And he was a good man, but it wasn't, 
it wasn't really a mature partnership. And so years later, when, when that marriage had ended, um, I actually got into a relationship with a man who was 12 years older than me. And I ended up moving in with him relatively quickly because I had moved to a new area and then I lost my job. And so he said, well, don't move away. Since you lost your job, you're going to have to leave town. Just come and move in with me. And so right away, I knew that this was a very bad decision that I had made because right away, things changed. And one year later, when I knew that I needed to leave, um, I knew in my heart I was, I became pregnant. And so I tried really hard to work things out with him. I even went to a couple of different counselors, but it was, it was just not happening. And it was, it was after my son was born, it started to get just worse and worse. And I knew that it was going to escalate into physical violence because I could feel it. And he, I remember, um, and you might be going to ask me about this, but I remember sitting, holding my baby in rocking him and nursing him. And my partner at the time was standing in front of me and he was screaming at me because I had forgotten something at the grocery store. Like, I don't even know what it was. It didn't matter. It didn't matter, but it was like a really big deal to him. And he was screaming at me. And, um, and I just remember being like, no, I'm not doing this. You know, I'm not doing this because I didn't have the ability to love myself at all at that point. But I knew that I would not subject this tiny being to this kind of environment. And so that was really, I always say my son gave birth to me because that propelled me into being able to step forward and take action that I, I absolutely was unable to take on my own behalf. It makes a lot of sense. That's beautiful. Sometimes children, when they come to, come to life, when they are born, they are here to teach us a lesson. And we know, I, spontaneously, we know that as parents, we have to care for them, to do everything for them, to nurture them, to teach them all the lessons of all the world and everything. But on the, in the greater scheme of things, they are our teachers. Yes. And you received the biggest lesson of love by your own baby son, not even able to think yet. Yes. Just yes. able to feel and to be one with you because it's later that they actually separate. Yes. Wow. Such a blessing. I'm grateful for you, for your son, that you actually were able to recognize that, make a decision, because then, of course, life unfolds and there is a way. What is the way? What yeah. is your way? So what happened was my sister 
had come to visit me and maybe maybe another relative. And I had this feeling inside me and I'm very, very intuitive. I've always been very intuitive. And I was basically overcome with anxiety and stress because he, my partner at the time, anytime someone was around me showing me love, he did not like that at all. And it would make him very grumpy and very agitated. And so I was, I became very distressed inside that they were going to leave and leave me there after this visit. And um, so it became very clear inside my body and inside my mind that I had to leave. I had to leave immediately. And so at that time, he hasn't, he hadn't really taken an interest in my baby who was very small, only five, six weeks old. And he hadn't been very interested in the baby at all. And so I went into my son's room and I packed up a bunch of clothes and everything the night before, took it all out of the drawers and just made a bag and like tucked it away so that I could leave the next morning with my cousin's wife so that I wasn't gonna be there alone with this man because I knew that something very, very, very bad was gonna happen if they left me there with this man. And he felt it, he felt the energy. And so he actually had never changed the baby or gotten him ready in the morning, like, like gotten him dressed. But the next day he did go into the bedroom and start opening the drawers it was like he could feel my my emotional distance and so he saw that things were out of the drawers and he realized that i was going to leave and so he was walking around the house you know screaming at me in my face which i call this attack dog um when someone won't allow you to have your space and they won't back down and they're just sort of relentlessly um following you around and like berating you or screaming at you. And so I was, I had someone else there, thankfully, and I was able to leave. So we left and I went to my family's house, which was about three hours away. And I'm not close with my family, remember, because, you know, but I did, I went to my dad's house and he would have helped me. You know, I think my parents, I've forgiven my parents for, what they weren't able to give me. Um, it doesn't mean that I put myself in the path of emotional harm of my parents now, but I also have, I'm grateful for them in their way. And I'm, you know, thankful for what they've been able to do. So I go to my family's house and um, I was only there for five days. And I, real, I really wanted to come back to this area where I live. I didn't want to stay over there. And I didn't want to live in my dad's house and under his thumb. Because it was just, I was a grown woman. I didn't want that. And I had this seven-week-old baby. And so I had a friend reach out to me and say that I could stay in a little, like, mother-in-law unit at their house. So I came back to the area where I live. And within um, just a few days of getting back, I was served with papers for custody of my son. And so 
this began a an experience that has gone on for 15 years. And um, I can tell you that it's amazing now, I still co-parent with this person and we co-parent fa fairly well. And I've been able to transmute challenges and things that arise. This is one of my favorite things to talk about and to do actually to work through um, conflict or situations where normally one would be in a great amount of fear. But what's interesting is if I would have known how bad it was going to get when I left, I don't know that I would have left. I maybe would have stayed longer because it was so horrible dealing with the stress after I left. Um, and the first three years, so we did have to share the baby initially because of the court system. And that was very, very difficult. Um, and there were times where at the beginning I had more custody, a little bit more, but he still was seeing the baby and everything. But he would he would scream at me still. He would sit outside my house. He would follow me around town. Um, he would come and rearrange things like outside my front door. So I would wake up and see like a line of of objects outside my door, just very strange, bizarre behavior. And this went on um, for about three years, that really, really intense period. And then when my son was about three and I was trying to still cooperate with this man and then he would, he would make an agreement with me to help me with my son a little. He'd say, I want to see him more. And then I would make a plan and then he would bail. He would cancel. He would stand me up. He wouldn't follow through. But then he would show up at my house and he would go ballistic. And so, and, and at least one time the police had to be called because he was at my home making a scene and acting crazy. And the police would have to come and tell him like, you can't do this, right? You can't do this. And I was having to find my center and hold my ground to stay strong so that I could still show up in my life throughout all of this, right? So when, this is the really interesting part though, I didn't know what I was going to do to get more help, more time away from my son, and, and yet at the same time, renegotiate with this man. And so I asked God, you know, what should I do? Like, how, how should I do this? And God told me, hold him to the contract that you have. And then if he wants to pursue for more custody, let him file. Cause I didn't have any money for a lawyer and I didn't have any money to deal with the legal system. And so um, I did exactly what God told me to do. And I just let him know, like, this is our written agreement. I will be holding on to this legal agreement. And if you desire to change this, you are welcome to take me to court. And so that's exactly what ended up happening. And so I didn't want to keep going to court with him over and over. So when my son was three, we renegotiated a 50-50 custodial agreement. And at that time, I also released any um, desire for child support. 
to him because he was so enraged if he ever had to give me anything at all he was so enraged and i had gone on welfare for six months and when you go on welfare they'll go after your child's dad and so he was so enraged during that six month period and so after i was done with welfare i just said i don't want your money my money comes from god keep your money and i will be okay i will do this on my own and so after he was three we went to 50 50 and i moved to a new town um, about 11 miles away and then that was the end of the stalking type behavior and it, it transitioned and so it wasn't that things got perfect because we've had ups and downs and he's remarried and you know but i've continued to increase my skills and my ability to deal with him and to not be afraid of him when i have to actually do something like a challenging communication because he's scary like he's it's a scary situation and so it's been something that i've had to it's it's been one of the most transformational experiences of my life and because i'm still co-parenting and then even even a year ago he wanted to take my son and they were going to take me to court to get full custody of my son on no grounds and my son was briefly complicit in this and and somewhat alienated from me and i was able to transmute that situation and i did not lose custody of my son i'm now on you know back to having great terms and i don't really have to speak to his his dad often but i'm able to and um my son and i are extremely close right now so um and you know after that relationship i was single and then for a while and then i did magnetize another partner and i had i had another baby and that partner was amazing and and so different from from this other type of man it was like i needed to heal my own experience of abusive men and so my new i'm i'm not with my other son's dad either and that was very challenging for me as well but i have to say we don't even need a legal agreement because even when things get hard the caliber of that relationship is so different that we are able to negotiate and be on the same team and and work things through and it's a testament to the work that i did in that in between time right and so i'm very very blessed and grateful and i i think i still had to learn inside of that relationship even though it wasn't abusive in the same way i still had to work out the residue of neglect of not being reciprocated of abuse can take different forms that are sometimes subtle and the thing is when because i had a literal need like if i recognize that as what love is and what reality is i have to go reprogram my physical body and my expectations so that i don't always look for that because what you look for is what you see so i was literally magnetizing those qualities in partnership not because anything is bad or wrong about me but because of the nature of how uh, our brains work and how genetics work and 
and everything. And so it's been a beautiful, hard, hard, painful path. But as I sit here before you today, madly in love with my children and successfully co-parenting and avoiding um, last year, like avoiding a custodial battle through my ability to negotiate and to stand in my spiritual power. Um, I can tell you that there's opportunities, there's hope, there is so much available for us because when we do this work, we're not just healing ourselves, we're healing our mothers and our grandmothers because of the genetic lineage of abuse that comes through that way. You know? You, you, you speak the truth, so you speak the facts, but yeah. It's truly amazing to hear the level of awareness that comes with mm. resilience. Mm. Because you had to find coping mechanisms. You had to find ways to deal with constant recurring trauma. Trauma yes. of being at that. It's, it is a trauma to be at that anyway. Yeah. Right? It doesn't have to be like beaten, put down as, as, no. I, as I was. It can abuse is subtle until yes. it becomes blatant. This yes. is why it's one of the most difficult things to actually recognize from the outside because you just have to believe the person who speaks. Yes. And it may and, not look like it. And what I've experienced as well, speaking with other women, is that if we're normalized to a certain amount of emotional neglect, not our, or having our feelings disregarded, a lack of consent about our choices or our bodies, um, any, any form of this type of disregard, if that becomes normalized for us, we often don't even understand or recognize sometimes the abuse on the subtle levels. And so we don't even understand how it's becoming something so much bigger. Absolutely right. Wow, Monica. So if I understand well, in your story, the first shift in your experience of abuse is when you have this six weeks old baby in your arms. You are being yelled at for having forgotten something at the grocery stores. I remember that kind of experience. I was yelled at a lot for that too. <laughs> and that mm -hmm. is also forgetting something at the grocery stores. I remember in my own experience that that was one of the catalysts for almost killing me by strangulation. <sighs> With so much it escalated. It's like, wow. It, yes. can go, it can really touch a string and a trigger in the other person to a point that they may probably feel betrayed, forgotten, abandoned, neglected, insecure, not matter to you. Something along those lines, probably, likely. And mm -hmm. with all those unhealed wound and unhealed trauma they are carrying with them mm -hmm. that can explode in ways 
that is completely disproportionate to the thing. Well, you forgot the sugar, you will go back get the sugar later today or even tomorrow. Or you just order yeah. it on Amazon, it gets delivered and you don't care. Done. Over. Yeah. yeah. Right? But those unhealed wounds can be triggered for a tiny thing. I remember and with my first, sorry, I remember no, with my no. first abusive husband, the trigger for the first time he actually physically assaulted me mm -hmm. was I did forget and I did lose three times within a two years period. Three times I lost the keys mm -hmm. of the home. Lost, lost. So there was a breach of trust about me having the keys because I may lose them. Mm -hmm. Understandably, it did happen three sure. times over three, two years. That doesn't mean every day. That means right. that three times it did happen. All right. I recognize that. But the attitude, and this is where I learned a hard lesson. Mm -hmm. I asked him for the keys to pick up the mail just at the, at the bottom of the house. He is very reticent, but he ends up giving me the keys, telling me you are back in one minute with the mail and nothing happens to the keys, right? And I said, yeah. But when I came back, instead of simply, here are the keys, I teased him. Here are the keys. Oh, okay. Because of that tease. And because of the entire trauma and mental yeah. issues and everything that came before that, that warranted him grabbing me, leading mm. through the entire house to the bathroom, smacking me in the bathtub. And I was almost unconscious. It was crazy. Just mm. because I actually teased him. And there, that day I learned that you do not tease a mentally sick person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let him be. You find your way out. You mm -hmm. Withdraw yourself. You keep yourself and your son in them. And you move on. And you mm. cannot help someone like that. Yes. Not, not as a wife. You can probably help as a, a therapist, as a, a mental health practitioner, as a coach or anything like that. As a wife. Mm -hmm. Not that way. Oh, that's my experience. It's so, it's so nuts. The things that, um, you know, the grocery store stuff. Because at that point, when it had gotten really bad, he was angry that I was buying food that I liked. He was angry <laughs> that I bought vegetables. He was angry that I bought yogurt that I liked, and it was like. It was, it was bizarre, you know, it was absolutely bizarre, but it was very real um, in that environment. And it was escalating at that point so incredibly quickly, probably looking back, because you know that when you give birth, all of your focus and attention goes to the baby as it should. But for somebody who is siphoning energy they need they need that supply 
And I think if they feel betrayed by the birth of the baby, I, I think that that's what happened in my case. And he had never been, uh, he had had stepkids, but he'd never been a dad before. So I think that experience of my attention moving to this vulnerable, perfect creature felt like, oh, you're taking something that belongs to me. And it just was escalating incredibly rapidly. And so, like I said, when I, when I left, it was every, every signal in my body was saying, you have to go right now. Like you have to go. It's time. Take your stuff. Get le- and I left everything, and I I got a lot of my stuff back later, but um, it was it was I would never wish anyone to have to go through that, and yet I believe I believe that some of us were getting the opportunity to break chains and break cycles of intergenerational abuse and trauma. So even though it's hard that I had to go through that, I'm so happy because my children are, are have already had a completely different existence than I ever had because I said no. I said no, we will not be doing this anymore in this family line. And I believe that you and your listeners this is really the secret golden lining is there is a purpose to this pain to stop repeating intergenerational violence in our homes and to choose something new and healing. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Marika. I wholeheartedly agree with you. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Mm. You made it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank God. Wow. So the next question regards your business. What can people mm. buy from you? How can you help them? <laughs> Who is it for? Yes. So <clears throat> I work as um, a holistic relationship and intimacy coach for women. And I, I love to work with all, all women, any women that are, that are called, but I especially help women who are very put together on the outside. Um, they're usually survivors, they're overcomers, they're very successful in life in many ways, and they're very powerful, but they often have um, some kind of toxic or codependent relationship pattern, oftentimes different patterns of abuse that are coming through as a thread throughout their life. And maybe it's you know sexual trauma, maybe it's emotional trauma, it's all of the things. And so I use a combination of, um, it's, it's along my own healing path, I put together my own system of modalities. And uh, I've been a body worker and a massage therapist for 20 years, and I, a yoga teacher. And so I'm very interested in taking these ideas of healing 
and bringing them into real life in the body. Because no matter what kind of a good person I want to be, if my nervous system is in, is in fight or flight, if I'm, if I'm in survival and my body is stressed, I'm not going to be able to show up as my highest self in the, in the way that I need to in my life. And so I feel that that's how women end up being persecuted because they become broken down, their nervous systems become broken down, and then society wants to punish them for being broken. And women are still pulling it off. They pull it off. They're running the world. They're running businesses. But behind the scenes, they're not experiencing the level of intimacy and relationship that they want. And so I love to help women go another layer deeper, even outside of talk therapy. And I have practices. I studied something called the embodied psychosexual method, which in, which also, uh, and the jade egg, which is a form of sexual self-care and self-healing to maintain our, our physical bodies and our, our womb space and our yoni. And so it's a combination of outer work and outer physical practices, you know, mindfulness, breath work, um, and a lot of emotional literacy work, beginning to feel our feelings and understand and communicate. And then also spiritual practices to really stop repeating the patterns of the past in order to create a new and aligned outcome. So um, that's who I work with. That's, it's, it's really any woman who needs it, but, but women who are magnetized to me are often, they've already usually done a lot of therapy, but there's something that's still not shifting for them in their relationships. And these are women who don't want to settle for toxic. They don't want to settle for um, lukewarm love. They don't want to settle for a relationship that's not being reciprocated or where where there's no um, sexual aliveness, right? And so there needs to be a reclamation of the holiness of our bodies and the holiness of our intimacy and the holiness of our sexuality. And that means that we have to feel safe inside of ourselves. And so that's where we always begin in my work is everything is about relationship and it begins with the relationship that we have with ourselves and we need to make our bodies a safe place to live. So we start with that. And then from there, we can move out into the world to form healthy bonds. And it's a, it's a continuum. It's a continuum. It's not about perfection, but it's about having a toolkit that's going to allow us to alchemize challenges and to move through without shutting down or numbing out or running away, right? So it's wonderful juicy and delicious holistic work. And I do work with women where I live like in um, person, but I also work with women all over the world on Zoom, like we're doing right now on the video chat. Fascinating, fabulous. Monica, you're such a blessing. Thank you. So your website, monicaballard.com. Right. I actually, I'm actually not using my real website right now. I am okay. mostly using my Facebook profile. 
Okay. And you can connect with me on Facebook and on Instagram. And I'm, I'm offering free master classes um, pretty regularly. If people are interested in coming to a free master class and just experiencing my work. And then I usually work with people in, um, I have a six week intensive and I have an eight week um, online course coming up. And then there's ways to work with me long-term besides that. But if you're wondering about how to work with me, go to my Facebook, go to my Instagram, and then just send me a message. Just reach out to me and I can help you um, see which program might be right for you. Yeah. That's amazing. And we also have bit.ly, so bit.ly forward slash central rebirth. Yes, that's my masterclass. Awesome. That is great. And you do it in two sessions. Okay. Yeah. And according to the picture, it's all about voice work and really connecting. Connecting with the energy that is within. Yes, all the right. sensual rebirth is about helping women who want to reclaim their erotic and sensual power in their selves so that... Um, they can create that safety in their body because they are desiring a relationship, but they might be worried that they're going to continue patterns or they're, they're running into blocks and they know it and they want to work through it. And that's what the sensual rebirth masterclass is all about. Awesome. So ladies, if you feel attracted to that specific class, if you feel that it's the right time, let's get started for free with Monica Ballard. And then, of mm. course, you can move on to her very more intense and deep classes once you are yes. sure to love her the same way we do right now. All right. Thank you. Thank Have you. Day. I look forward to speaking with you again. And uh, thank you again for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. This was very special. And I am so happy that this resource is available. Um, and I just want to say that may all beings benefit from this healing work that you're putting out into the world. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs>